Good evening. We are back at it again on Tuesday night. Hope everyone had a good Labor Day. Uh, still celebrating the big win on Saturday night. Uh, but Graham, you, uh, you've been grinding away, dude. You went back through this game and, uh, we're going to talk about it some more. So before we jump in, any, any big thoughts you want to share with us? Uh, I got some big kind of overarching things we can, we can hit real quick at the end, but, uh, let's just get straight into some plays, man. All right. All right. So let me change my screen here. So I'm looking at the TV. All right. Yeah. So uh, this little pass here at 814. Nice little. Uh, oh, we got a Lab McConkie screen here. So just wanted to come back to that. We told you UGA was going to run that play. Um, here we got a nice little RPO concept. Um, Georgia, that was an interesting play because, like, a lot of people gave Georgia heat for not throwing deep routes. But they did have some deep routes that they they did run in the first half. Uh, that play in particular, it looked like JT was about to throw the slant, and he saw uh, saw his guys opening opening up downfield and tried to pull that back, and it came out of his hand. But they did try to do some things downfield early. Uh, it, it it just didn't work because Clemson had eight people. But you saw the Makaki screen there. That was a nice one. We saw Sawyer get off off his uh, edge there at left tackle and get out and block for uh, for Lad there. And, I mean, just thought that it was interesting that we saw McConkie in this game the way that we did. He was somebody that I think a lot of people had not heard of. Definitely in the stands there were a few people who were like, who was that guy? Um, but he did, he did a nice job. Yeah, I mean, Sawyer – did a decent job there, but I think maybe a little bit better block. You see McConkie get some more yardage. Um, let's move on to this next little. So we got a swing pass to Cook here, and we don't get good blocking by Jermaine Burton there, and he really struggled with his blocking all night. There was quite a few plays like that where uh, one block probably would have would have sprung it or at least put the, the receiver into a one-on-one -on -one situation where they maybe could have made a guy miss and we would have had an explosive play. But I know he hasn't been totally healthy. I think Kirby said he's only practiced like 15 times out of their last 50 practices. So definitely something that we can kind of excuse, but um, keep an eye on that. Cause I know that Kirby is big on downfield blocking and I'm sure that he's going to hear about that in the film room this week. Here we have an awesome little run Kendall Milton I like this play design by Todd Monken a lot. The dogs block down the line and then Sawyer kind of turns back out for a seal there. And like, that's the little wrinkles that we didn't see all of last year from Todd Monken. I just don't think they had time to install uh, some of these kind of nuanced things in, in the run and pass games, but there was some nice stuff like this. And we're going to show you some more as we go through here. Um, and again, yeah. So, Next play, we've got a creative little wrinkle to get James Cook the ball, just coming in motion there. Um, Rosemey's got two guys to deal with there. He does a pretty decent job getting hands on both. Georgia really didn't have the numbers advantage there that it probably wanted to throw that screen into. But I, we talked about in the pregame, you know, that Georgia, with all these talented backs, was going to have to find 
McIntosh and Cook in the passing game and line those guys up in creative ways and put them in the slot. And I thought they actually did a pretty good job of doing that. The touch distribution between all four backs was decent. No one really got forgotten or anything like that. Um, so, yeah. Here we're going to have a, a third and seven to Brock Bowers. Just a really good option route by Bowers. You know, reads the defense, cuts that outside. Him and JT are on the same page. We have a lot of Brock Bowers in here. He was obviously Georgia's leading receiver on the night, both yards and receptions. But uh, this dude is going to be unreal. Um, he just – I was so impressed with his poise. That type of big game, first college game of his career, I think it would have been kind of easy to expect him to have some drops or some – some missed assignments, and I think he graded out probably about as well as anybody on, on Saturday night. And then here we're going to have a run by Zeus. Just I, I highlighted this play because we saw it, it was only a three-yard play, but there was good job on the left side of the line. And you see Bowers pull and come down the line there and kind of play that H-back type of position. And I think I underestimated Bowers. A little bit. Um, I, I sort of saw him as more of a, a stand-up tight end that would line up in the slot and not really be a guy that Georgia was going to put, especially against a team like Clemson, into these type of situations where he was going to do dirty work blocking in the run game. And they had him running that H-back type of position that we talked about a lot this offseason all night. So, I was impressed with him, and his run blocking was superb in addition to what he did in the receiving game. And then we're going to have um, – Yeah, this is that yeah, PI. This, this is, is that, that PI, yeah, yeah. So, a little out of order here, but, you know – No, no, otherwise... you're good. Um, we're good, we're good. But, I think, yeah, like Mitchell is still – we're still waiting on him to have his first reception uh, as a, a player for UGA, but I thought – he did create some problems for Clemson. There was a couple pass interference calls that he drew. There probably should have been a third one that um, they put in on him. So I was impressed with just kind of his presence. He looks big and lanky and fast in person, and Clemson never really looked totally comfortable dealing with him on the field. So uh, I think he's going to be a weapon, I think, in – a lot of games against a lot of opponents, we probably would have seen him have some explosives. But week one against a defense like Clemson, getting a few pass interference penalties was a big deal in a, a field position game like this. And, you know, as hard as it was to move the chains, those were actually like big <laughs> productive plays for the yeah. offense. I, I, you know, you're, to your point, you know, you talked about we need the ball is going to come out quick. Um, and that's what they did to screens and, and quick runs and quick passes and stuff. But Clemson's a good defense, and, and that, we can't discount that, that they, they got on the ball and they made tackles. And, and you know, I, I expect that, you know, we'll do more with more weapons, but we're not making excuses. That's a good defense. Right, 100%. No, and, and I think that it's, it's okay to look at this game and say there's things that you wish Georgia did better or did more of, but – um, it's also okay to look at this game and say, you know, there's all these wide receivers out. Darnell Washington is out. Clemson's defense returned 11 starters and is really, really good. And Georgia was able to put together a game plan that 
that achieved the objection objective, which is to win. And if you had told me before the game that Burton was, you know, as out of practice as much as he has been, and that Kyrus Jackson wasn't going to take any snaps at wide receiver, I don't know that we would have felt like Georgia had a shot at winning this game. Yeah, uh, I mean, we got to win, dude. And those guys played great. I mean, it all it, it was you know next man up, but you know we didn't get the ball downfield, but we. And I think you called it, you know, you talked about it today. It's like, that was a good game plan. Uh, they were not going to put themselves, uh, you know, leverage. They they wanted to, you know, get every yard they could and three yards, four yards, it was enough. And, uh, and I, you know, hell, we won. Uh, and, and I know we <laughs> – Yeah, yeah like, no, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. It's like yeah. I did not expect walking out of the stadium on Saturday night that uh, I was going to be on Twitter on Sunday and Monday and Tuesday, like watching – a bunch of people try to tear Georgia apart for for having probably their best win as a program since uh, 2017. Like, yeah, and, and, and I mean, look, we, we all built it up. We talked about what we expected on offense. You know, you know, we had Brent Rollins on. He expected Georgia to set the scoring record. Now that was in the middle of the summer. We didn't know, you know, and and again, and it's like everyone's saying we're making excuses, but we got a win against. A, a top five defense and uh and you play to win the game i you know like good old herm edwards keeps saying you know keeps in back of my head so uh i do but i do expect us to be a lot more efficient and and explosive uh and we've got some games to get get healthy on and get right on all right so let's, you want to get let's back into the plays right yeah yeah for sure so we got a kendall milton run here um i was just really really impressed with kendall on saturday night he looks quicker then last year, uh, he's always been a big, strong back, but he looks even a little more lean and cut, but still still very, very muscular. And I just thought he was really good between the tackles in this game. And this game was kind of built for him and Zeus with the physical play. There you've got that third and one to McIntosh. And that was one of the calls on the night that I think maybe was a little fair to question. I know Georgia was trying to go hurry up and go fast there, but – uh, against Clemson's D-line, I don't know that McIntosh was the guy to be running that up the gut right there. Um, no disrespect to him. I think he's a great back and he does a lot of things well, but I think that's a play you'd probably rather have Zeus or Milton in the game um, if you're going to you know, run run in between the tackles against the stack box on third and two when everyone knows it's coming. Yeah, so. I, I think I tweeted at that point, I was like, you know, eight in the box till I die, I believe was my tweet <laughs> time stamped at that time. So yeah, that, nice. but our boy, Chris Smith picked us up a few, a few uh, drives later, but um, anyway, right. uh, sorry, I slowed you down here. <laughs> no, you're good. Um, so yeah, this next play is just a really nice job on the left side of the line here. You've got the wide receivers blocking as well. You've got Sawyer Bowers, Fitzpatrick and Justin Robinson, number nine. Um, who, you know, first time we've seen him on the field in a Georgia uniform, all working in sync. They're spread out. They're pushing downfield. You can see Robinson on the left side there doing work. You see Fitz right there. You saw Sawyer kick out and get a block on the safety, Landon Zanders. So that was one of Georgia's better explosive run plays on the night. And, again, I think we see there that Monk and Luke influence of they want these line uh, linemen that are going to be a little bit faster, a little bit bigger that are going to pull and come around the edge. And we talked about that this offseason. We talked about that last offseason in terms of what we expected from Monk and, and Luke when they were hired. And we're start, 
starting to see that kind of take shape on the offensive line. And I think it's definitely affected some some of their personnel decisions as well. You can see how important Fitzpatrick is in, in those run blocking plays. I mean, he was he was setting the edge and and was by far one of the best blocks on that play. And that was a that was one of the few explosive runs we had. Yeah, one hundred percent. So here we're going to see Justin Robinson. Um, he gets a little bit. This was another screen. He gets a little bit too far down the field here and maybe just a, a bit too excited um, and kind of forgot, I think, who he was supposed to be blocking. And it's a young guy. It happens. But I think probably the biggest thing, if I'm Georgia, that I want to clean up from this game is some of this downfield blocking by the wide receivers. And I think that was an area where the inexperience was was felt maybe even a little more than, than an actual route running. Um, so, and then we've got coming up here, we've got the interception from JT and really Spectre does the exact same thing to JT that, that Chris Smith did to DJU. And he just, he sticks with Fitzpatrick there at first and kind of acts like he's going to cover that tight end seam route and JT locks on and, and he comes over there and gets it. And I, I think if you keep playing this clip here, I'm not sure if we have all of it, but on the broadcast, I noticed as soon as uh, Spectre caught the ball and got tackled, like JT was looking up at the monitor trying to figure out where he came from. I think that that really confused him a little bit. And I think it definitely affected some of the play calling from that point on just in the nature of that game. I think Bonkin got kind of in that spot where it's like, let's not force anything we don't have to um yeah another another good big run by zeus right here coming off the left side he was so good in this game man um he looks like the five-star back who we who we you know thought he was going to be coming out of high school before the injuries and i really think he's going to have a big 21 but, but the lateral bounce here the vision very superb um again good blocking by bowers and Fitz. this was a good moment from burton as well he does a nice job with the blocking lined up there on the left side, comes up field, finds that safety. Um, so that was one of Georgia's better plays on the night, I thought. And again, with, with Zamir, I think his vision is just at another level than it was maybe last year and the year before. He's not kind of running into the line quite as much. And he's doing a really good job of being patient and finding the holes and letting the play develop. Yeah. He's running back one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I agree with you there. Um, Not the other guys aren't great because they are, but he's the whole package right now. So here we're going to have Jalen Johnson on the RPO. And I just think it's kind of crazy to take a second and look at who was contributing in the third quarter of the game. Johnson had a couple big plays on this drive. He had this catch and he had a, an end around and then he ran, uh, but right here, he just, he runs a nice route and he sits down between the linebackers and the safeties. And this was something we talked about in our pregame was, you know, these receivers and tight ends finding those spaces, sitting down in them and letting JT find them. And it was a good find by Daniels to pull it out of cook's belly and throw it on that RPO read. So type of offense you want to see good you know productive play um is this yeah all right so this play was negated but holy shit 
what Kendall Milton does here is unreal. This lick that he puts on Landon Xander's, uh, we now know that it, it actually ended Xander's season. He separated his shoulder with that hit. So thoughts and prayers to him. We don't, you know, want anybody to be injured or anything like that. But I do think the flip side of that is like it's rather impressive the force and aggression that he is running with right now. Right. All right. So I love this call and design to, to Kenny McIntosh here. Clever job. UGA got a lot of beef down the field. Sawyer and Van Pran put the double team on the Clemson defender there. Both come through and and knock them around. I think a lot against a lot of teams, this play probably breaks open. Clemson's linebackers just run really well and read really well. But uh, another one of these plays that we kind of talked about with with Cook and McIntosh, where finding ways to get him out on the perimeter, get him touches in the passing game basically functions as a long handoff, but I really, really liked uh, even more than that seeing if he cuts it up inside, I don't know if he cuts it up inside, he might have, you know, another 20 yards, but yeah, he, get kind yeah, of bottled, he got kind of bottled up with that. I mean, look how far downfield we're, we're getting, getting blocking and stuff. That, that was a, that was a great call on you. Lysanne. I like that play a lot. Yeah. I think it's a fun one. And I think it's just, there's a lot of fun, creative things like that in the in the Monken playbook. So here we're gonna have a little little more Brock Bowers action. Um, it's like G Day all over again. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was thinking about Jeremy on Saturday night. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, just it's I'm impressed with the chemistry that him and Daniels already have. Um, they seem to really, really in sync. Bowers very disciplined with his route running. Good soft hands. Um, I think we're going to see him with a lot of big explosive plays this year. I don't know, you know, how this game plays out. Maybe if he's not there from a blocking and receiving standpoint, just he was extremely important in his first ever college game. So here we're going to see sack by Miles Murphy. Uh, bad job by Warren Erickson here. Really, uh, he doesn't pick up the delayed blitz. He goes into basically double team that guard with uh, Van Pran and just misses. I'm sorry, not guard. He, he double teams the, uh, the nose tackle there. Um, but he, he misses the stunt with Murphy kind of coming around and wrapping behind the other defender there. And those are the type of things that you really just can't have. I thought – he had some some good moments in this game, and I thought he filled in pretty admirably considering that, that Rattledge was supposed to start. But here we have another bad block by Jermaine Burton. Um, credit to Andrew Booth, the Clemson corner there, who was very, very good and read that play like a book. But Burton has to get out there and, and do more than that. Um, it just like there's there's got to be more there because Fitz has his guy locked up. If Burton makes that block – You've got Cook one-on-one with a safety and a lot of grass, and that that could turn into a really big explosive or even a touchdown. Here we're going to have the uh, – yeah, this is the final drive. And I, I thought this was a nice wrinkle by Mocking to get a yard when Georgia really had to have it. thought it was kind of ballsy to call this sort of jet sweep action, but just – caught Clemson a little bit off guard there. 
I'm not sure exactly what Sawyer was doing there. I think he he kind of missed his block, but he was just enough in the way to to not let it turn into a tackle for loss. Yeah, this is just a good just a good cutback by Cook that saved the play really honestly because if he it, that's probably going to go outside and it's not there and he just knows he's got to get a yard. So that's a it, it was it, it was smart. Vision. I think on first and ten he's probably trying to push that outside. Um, I, I thought though that we saw that little jet sweep action again uh, throughout the rest of that final drive. They they ran those little jet sweep fakes to Cook a few times and Clemson had to respect that and i thought that it was a good way of keeping them from from not just like bursting into the lanes and they had to stay disciplined in their their gap assignments um and then yeah we've got zamir just icing it icing it yeah and i thought that svp sawyer and mcclendon all have really nice seals here and erickson does a great job getting to the linebacker on the second level i don't know if we can run that back one more time but this is this is exactly what you want on every play. Van Pran coming up the field, putting a hat on that linebacker. McClendon has got a seal there, and Erickson uh, is is up in there somewhere. Yeah, he's on the left side there at that point. But all those guys did a good job, and and that was that. It was one more knee. I think overall with Georgia's offense, before we move to the to the defensive side of things. Um, I think there was times that Georgia maybe should have ran the ball a little bit more, but I also think that Georgia was trying to break tendency a little bit and keep Clemson from, from loading up the box. And to their credit, when it was really time to run the ball and run clock, they did it and they did it successfully. But going back in the game, there was more successful run plays, truthfully, than I remembered. There was a lot of good – six, seven, eight-yard pops by Zamir and Milton and McIntosh and, and Cook as well. And I think that maybe those guys could have seen a few more touches and and maybe Georgia controls that, that game from just a, a possession standpoint even more. I know time of possession is everyone's least favorite stat in this era of college football and for good reason with the explosiveness of offenses, but – I think there are games where it matters and this was the rare one where it does. Uh, I also felt like we saw uh, Clemson's just a, a really good defense. And, and I mentioned it a couple times in here, but Georgia had some plays that probably pop against a lot of their opponents. And I think it's okay to give the opposition credit. Like we were talking about, be happy that you got the win, got out of there and, move on and, and see if some of those plays don't break for you next week. Cause I think if Georgia blocks like they did on some of these plays against a team like UAB or even against some other teams in the sec that are, that are good, solid teams, you see some of those plays probably go. Um, so the other thing I was going to, I want to give Mocken credit for halftime adjustments. I thought they were good. Uh, we saw one three and out from Georgia after the half. And we saw that drive in because of the JT interception. But what he did with the screen game on the outside was much more creative in the second half. All the running plays he got going outside in the second half, we saw a lot more stuff get out on the edge. And, and that was really where we saw Georgia have success, creating lanes for the running backs. And I thought he did a good job of kind of regrouping and assessing some of that at halftime and, and figuring it out. 
I also want to say that I got killed on Twitter, YouTube, everywhere else pregame for saying that Georgia was going to have a quarterback advantage in this game because of the amount of starts that JT Daniels had under his belt and the fact that he had been in an environment like this before. But I was right. Not to be, you know, uh, rude about it or anything like that, but, like, JT Daniels was by far the more poised quarterback on Saturday night, and DJ was flustered, and I thought that JT didn't play a spectacular game. There were some throws that I think he would like to have back, but I also think that he executed at a much higher level than his counterpart, and that was probably the difference in, in the game for for Georgia or one of the big differences in the game. I mean, the defensive line for Georgia definitely beat the offensive line for Clemson, but still there were plays. I mean, and uh, you know, you'll hear nerds, you know, analytic nerds talk about that sacks are a quarterback stat as much as they are an offensive line sack. And I definitely feel like DJ was definitely held on the ball too long or, and then in some cases just didn't move off his spot and make, he wasn't running the ball with, you know, decisiveness. So I, I definitely feel like, that the mistakes um, in the pocket were made by DJ and, 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 uh, and JT kept us out of those for sure. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say too, is like everyone's talked about how Georgia brought the physicality on defense and they certainly did. And that was definitely where it was most noticeable in this game, but Georgia also brought a lot of physicality on offense and the way that, Zamir White and Kendall Milton in particular ran the ball and finished runs and punished guys. I think some of those body blows took a bit of a toll and it paid paid dividends for Georgia in the fourth quarter when it was time to to run the clock and and pound those guys and and finish out the game with the ball in their hands. God, there's just nothing better than a four minute drive with when just all runs, dude. I'm sorry, it's still you know. I want to throw, see us throw the ball down the field and, and be explosive, but, but that you still love that as a Georgia fan. One hundred percent. No, you 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 do, and and you you one hundred percent should. Um, you want to get I in mean, the defense? Still RBU. Yeah, one hundred percent. Let's do it. So, do we? Oops. Yeah. I don't think this is the right play. It's not the right play. Sorry. It's hang on. I know why now. It's okay. Uh, let me see here. Yeah, this is why. Give me a little trickier here on this. Stay with us. What's the first one? You got 11? Uh, yeah. Okay, there we go. All right. Okay, so we got Nolan Smith here. Uh, first third down of the game. I thought this really set the tone. Georgia's only bringing a three-man rush. They're dropping eight. And you've got Nolan Smith straight up bull rushing a dude that is 60 pounds heavier than him, driving him back into GJ's lap. Uh, I thought that, you know, tone setting type of play, great job by Nolan Smith. Really nice to see him get that play early on in the season. Um, yeah. All right. Here we're going to see first play of the next drive. You get the pass interference on Ringo. I, Think he got handsy unnecessarily here, but I also don't think this was a a good call. I thought the ball was uncatchable. I think if that passes down Georgia's sideline, it's probably not 15 yards. But I think 
with Ringo in general, my takeaway on him was best athlete on the field, absolutely freakish physically. He was never beat all night because he's so damn fast. He's just got to get his head around a little bit and and learn to just have a little composure. Yeah, Yeah. first game ever. It's okay. Uh, You know, don't get down on the kid. If anything, I'm more excited about him than ever after seeing just how physically impressive he is. But uh, he'll he'll learn some of that stuff and uh, he'll get his head around. And the good news is that, you know, none of it really costs Georgia majorly. Um, Here we've got that second and four. And this stunt by Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt up the middle here is just really, really impressive to see the push they get. And, I mean, we could pull almost every play of this game and talk about the push, but look at Davis shoot that gap. Look at Wyatt come right behind him. Like, if DJ doesn't get rid of that ball, they probably make him into a sandwich. More, more and then this yep. is the yeah this is the Nakobe sack. Um, he just was a, a whole another level on Saturday night, and he looks like a first round linebacker. I haven't seen Georgia with a linebacker that is reading things as quickly as as he is since Roquan. Uh, just just really impressed with him. Here we've got Tyndall shooting out like a rocket from that inside linebacker position. His imp- uh, his pursuit was just really, really impressive. I did not realize he was this fast. Um, yeah, Axe he- had a great tweet on this on Saturday night and just showed this play and, and got a lot of looks because it was awesome. Yeah, like you say, he was like a rocket, man. It was, yeah. I mean, it looks like somebody slingshotted him, and, and he comes from that far side too and beats – you know, a running back that runs like a, a four, four to the edge. So impressive. This was uh, the only play of the night that I, I really had much gripe with the Kobe Dean. He's got to make that little tackle yeah. there on third and seven. Um, you know, with, with all the things that he did in this game, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but we also do try to show the good and the bad here. Um, and that was a play that Georgia had a good chance to get off the field and, and they didn't. Yeah, he was um, clearly just guarding the guarding the line and just gave up too much on that and just couldn't make up the uh the the play there. It kind of he, he let the play get him and he didn't get he didn't get it. So, but yeah, to your point, you know, it was sorry, it was picking the flash it out of the pepper as they say. <laughs> yeah. So, here we've got um Oh, I don't think this is the right play. All right, well, here's another one. <laughs> no worries. Uh, get get just that's forty three. That's forty three. Okay. Yeah. So we've got a wheel route here. Um, I just I, I put a few wheel routes on here because I think if you're a Georgia fan, probably helps soothe a little bit of PTSD to see how well Georgia handled the wheel routes on Saturday night. Um, yeah, and then Clemson they, lo- Clemson he, looked for him a lot though. Like they ran a lot of them, and DJ stared them down a lot, and Georgia really never gave anything up. And this is one of these these plays where they're trying to to run that wide receiver into our defender and open it up, and he just stayed gets locked on him, got off that sort of illegal screen in there, and 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 was all over it, like you say. Yeah, totally. Um, so here we're gonna have the the pick six, 
by our boy Christopher Smith, official ambassador of the show. And obviously, you've all seen this play probably three dozen times at this point. But two things I want to point out. One, Brittany makes a really smart decision not trying to block DJ there because probably turns into a flag and negates the return. And two, look how far Keely Ringo comes from in this play. Uh, if you run it all the way back, he's like way out of the screen. Probably, I don't know, a solid 10, 15 yards behind Smith. And he absolutely flies back into the frame. It does not look like he's trying to run that fast. But uh, he just wants to be there to, 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 I love it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He wants to have fun, but just what an athlete, man. Um, this was, it, scene was so good as he always is, but I thought his coverage was, was even a, a level higher on Saturday night than we've seen to this point in his UGA career. And I thought he does a really good job here getting a hand in around the big tight end without drawing a flag and coming in early refs love to call that as yeah, pass Herb, interference. Herb street was kind of leaning saying that was a little early and stuff, but man, that was a bang, bang play. And, and he was on it. And that's the kind of play you got to make from that position, you know? And, um, and you know, if they, they're going to blow the whistle, they're going to blow the whistle, but that's the only way that's you're playing defense and you got to get the ball out of the receiver's hand. So, uh, if, 100%. He gets, if he gets flagged for that, I'd been pissed, but he didn't. And uh, we, we, you know, that was another awesome play by, by seeing. Yeah, so pause this right here, if you don't mind. Um, this alignment, first of all, I just thought was really interesting. Oh, wait. It's not the right one. This is 757. Which one are you looking for? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. It's a third and 10 with a 106. No, this is probably this is probably the right play. Maybe, or I'm sorry, go go to the next one. I think this is a play early. We might not have it. It's okay. There was some interesting stuff Georgia was doing from an alignment standpoint, and they kind of had seen as a low safety and Smith and Jackson up high. We don't have it. It's all right. Uh, Jordan Davis, still an absolute monster freak show of a human being. Don't know how you can't love him. He's quick as a cat. He weighs 340 pounds. He's a great interview, but look at him just shoot this. It's unreal. Um, and then we've got Trevon Walker getting in on the sack action. Or wait, no, that might have been Dean again. I'm sorry. Uh, right. Yep. Here's I'm going to go back to the uh, to uh, Jordan Davis. Yeah. So we got him shooting the gap there. Just his his jump is something a D tackle shouldn't have legally. All right, next play. And then we've got Sack. Um, we've got Walker coming up there. No, I'm sorry, that was Dean. I apologize, but we're we're yeah. we're 40 minutes in, cranking through 30 or 40 plays, so you're doing fine. By but uh, this is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, another another. Another D-line sack. That's, that's Carter coming in there. Um, we can keep rolling here. All right, cool. Uh, Back-to-back sacks. Yeah, all these sacks. Anderson <laughs> that time. Just 
Sex after sex, sex on sex. All right, we're at 92 here. Here's the Trevon Walker play, I think. Um, yeah, that's him right there. Nice. Okay, so just I thought it was impressive that he came from the D-tackle spot there. We thought of him as a D-end throughout his career and did a really good, you know, little swim move there, and it's kind of a stunt deal. But uh, I was impressed with Robert Beal, number 44. He's a guy that's been on the roster forever, hasn't gotten much burn. Uh, I think a lot of Georgia fans probably assumed he was going to be kind of a Nate McBride type that never really saw uh, too many significant snaps. And he had some good reps on Saturday night, did a really good job timing his blitzes. Um, yeah, it's a good job by him. Here we've got Channing Tindall one more time, taking off like a rocket. And he was sticking in coverage all night and just did a really good job. Whenever, whenever he was in the game, I think he probably merited a little bit more playing time after his performance. And then here we're going to have – I thought this was a very key play. Clemson gets a first down here, but they have a good numbers advantage here because Brinny's going to come on this blitz off this bottom side. And all of a sudden you've got two blockers on one guy. Christopher Smith jets in there and – makes it two on two, but Darion Kendrick did a really good job fighting, holding off. And all we heard all off season from Clemson people was we're glad you have Kendrick cause he can't tackle. Well, guess what? Tackled pretty well on Saturday night. Um, here was the other Ringo PI. I thought, you know, same stuff. Uh, this ball is probably uncatchable. He's just got to get his head around, but it's one of those things where I, I would take a, a DB with his athleticism who is still kind of learning some things about the position any day over a guy who is technically sound, but just doesn't quite have enough top end speed or size to, to hold up in a game like this. This may not be and, scenes best play, but it certainly was the biggest. So this so. was, uh, this was Brinny. Oh, Brinny. Yeah. So, Brinny and Speed, and they switch guys here, which I thought was interesting. Brinny takes the outside receiver when he comes in, and Speed takes that that slot receiver when he goes out. Um, or I guess he's not a slot receiver, but that second receiver to the top. Uh, and they run kind of a little switch post kind of wheel concept there. But yeah. that's the third and goal play with Brinny again. And I thought, you know, oh, go back to that play if you, if you can. That third yeah. goal. Third goal. Yeah, right here. So Clemson motions that back out in coverage. And if you just pause it right there, Dan Jackson, walk on safety, number 47. I was sitting right on this goal line uh, and I'm standing there and I see Clemson motion there running back out. And I see a walk on safety and man coverage against a running back. And I think that we're probably cooked. And you see DJ look him down pretty hard at the start of the play and try and go that way. And I just wanted to give kudos to Jackson because he played a lot of big snaps in this game. Thought he did a really good job, stayed composed, looked like, you know, he was supposed to be out there. And, you know, he was on the field because Tyke Smith was hurt and some of these other guys are younger and not as experienced. So that's development is what it is. Taking a walk-on player – Having him in a moment like that against a team like that on a stage like that 
and having him come through and do his assignment is great job by Jackson. Great job by the coaching staff. Hats off to everybody there. All right. A couple, three more plays here, wrapping up the defense show. Wheel route covered up. Very well covered up. Uh, Clemson really tried to go to this well a lot, especially in the fourth quarter when they were looking for something big. And if he throws that speed, probably intercepts it, but he doesn't. Um, so, All right. Two more. And here. Then this may have been the best defensive play of the night, and this is seen coming in, playing the ball instead of the man and swatting that thing out. And just the way that he timed that, like his reputation is a guy who lays the wood all over the field. Right there, he makes a very cerebral decision. And just, I don't think you could have asked anyone to make a better play than he made in that moment. Yeah, he gets, I, his, I, I, he gets his shoulder pads down. He gets his, you know, does not, didn't avoid the, the head and neck area. I mean, he avoids the head and neck area. I mean, that was a similar play to, you know, Pitts in the, in the Florida game, but this time he knocked the ball down and didn't get flagged. So that's yeah. I mean, it's a little different because he's coming from behind. I know what you're saying, but like, I think we're saying the same thing. Like there was a chance there for him to try and lay a big lick and get the ball out that way. And, and he just finds the ball and, and bats it. And I think that's probably, um, that was the last, uh, here's the last play. play. Right, here we go. This, and so this is something poetic in my opinion. So, on this play, he ends up trying to dump it off to, to the wide receiver coming across there. But the primary read on that play is a halfback wheel route there on fourth down. And DJ's looking for it, and it's never there. And I think that that's kind of a fitting representation of where the secondary and defense is from, from last year to this year. Because that's you know that was the bugaboo last year, and Florida just tore Georgia up on on those wheel routes and on those halfback wheel routes in particular. But I think the the Jamil Adahi effect was extremely noticeable. Game one, um, he's got those guys playing faster. He's got them finding the ball, playing the ball under Kirby. Like Kirby has a great reputation as a secondary coach, and and rightfully so, but. I think it wouldn't be unfair to criticize at times some of Georgia's defensive backs have kind of played the man more than playing the ball. And that has led to penalties that has led to guys not making plays in coverage when they're in position to making plays in coverage. And with Adai, it seems like there's some things that have changed. And it also that alignment thing that I was kind of talking about earlier, like, there was some three high safety looks that we've never seen with Georgia under Kirby smart, unless they were in like a true prevent kind of into half hail Mary situation. There was some stuff that we haven't seen Georgia do before. And we can definitely get into that further kind of as the season goes on. But I thought his fingerprints were all over that game and Georgia lost seven secondary guys off of last year's team. And they came out and put the clamps on a bunch of four and five star wide receivers on Saturday night. And, and it looks kind of effortless at times. Yeah. I was looking at some of the numbers. I mean, and, and uh, Clemson was third from the la third to last in, you know, yards per play. 
um coming out of that game i mean and it's Damn. well yeah well noted that uh you know that the i think sarah had a pretty funny quote it was like 2.3 inches per rush or something like that yeah so yeah, uh, it was also something it was point oh oh nine yards per rush i think or something yeah the lawyer did the math we just did. <laughs> we didn't do it no but okay so it was awesome we're grand that was fantastic uh i know this is probably not a great podcast episode but please if you're listening to us on podcast get on the youtube because he graham just went through 40 plays and uh it, it's it, it's worth watching um but you've got some picks for us um some early picks i do yeah, yeah. All right. I, wanted, so, I, wanted, I wanted to say one thing quick, you know, like start looking at these lines earlier, earlier in the week. That's what the the, the pro betters and, and even the, the the amateur betters that know what they're doing. You want to get these lines early before they move. When they come in on Saturday, they're the, the books have locked them in. They know. Where, I mean, just look at the over unders on week one and how many were within two or three points. So 100%. with that percent with that, who you got? Yeah. So 100 percent, you're very right about this um and before i give the picks i do want to say just to update everyone i went four and oh week one last week we were three and three with a push at seven picks so we came out basically you know got our money back which is always fine when we're gambling um we'd like to win but we're happy when we don't lose so so far on the season i am seven three and one i feel good I feel really good about the board this weekend. I think this is going to be a hot one. I think we're looking at, at a good weekend. Bet these at your own risk, but I feel very good about the Kentucky-Mizzou over. That opened at 54-and-a-half, and stupid people have bet that down to 53. So I am against the public here, but I think that Will Levis or Levis or however you say his last name, the kid that eats bananas with the peel on for Kentucky, <laughs> is really good quarterback not really good but i think kentucky has a passing offense we know missouri knows how to score points uh we know that drinkowitz will find ways to score points even if it's a wide receiver double pass he's gonna score some points i don't think 53 is that much with these two teams involved i think this game will go over 60 pretty easily um texas a&m and colorado under 52 that one i feel like a&m their final score was a little bit deceptive. They struggled with their uh, their cupcake last weekend. Honestly, I'm not 100% remembering who they played last weekend, but it was a, a MAC team of, of some, some form, and it, it didn't go super well. Uh, Haynes King, the new quarterback that Texas A&M fans have been yelling at us in our YouTube comments about for the last six <laughs> weeks – Two touchdowns, three interceptions. We come yell at us more. Just we, but yeah, <laughs> no, we love your engagement. We really appreciate absolutely and people. Um, but yeah, two touchdowns, three interceptions for him. A bit shaky. I think Colorado has a pretty good defense. I don't think they have a very good offense at all. Um, I I will probably end up maybe maybe sprinkling a little bit on the spread in Colorado here, but uh, I'm not positive yet, so I don't want to give that out. But I feel very, very strongly this is going under 52. Question marks on offense all over the place for both these teams. So Pitt, Tennessee, over 52 and a half. That's probably the play 
that I feel no, it's not. But anyways, Pitt Tennessee over 52 and a half. Tennessee, bad defense, okay offense. Pitt, pretty good offense. I, I just I think this is gonna be more than a you know 26 to 26 game. This pick them NC State at Mississippi State is it seems like a that's a no that's that's a that looks like a good bet to me. It does, and that's what scares me about it. I feel like somebody knows something that I don't know. But uh, I got to shout out Bud Elliott over at, at 24-7 on, on the NC State because he hyped them a lot on the Cover 3 podcast this offseason. And I followed him on their their over six-and-a-half win total in the preseason. I bet money on that. And then – I thought it was only natural to take them, you know, minus 18 and a half or 19 or whatever they, they were against South Florida last week. They won by like 42 Mississippi state barely escaped Louisiana tech with a win. So this is one of those games that um, I just hope that weren't, you know, me, I'm not having a week one overreaction because it feels like the line should be a little bit steeper here, but I already bet it. So we're in on it. We're going for it. Texas minus three and a half at Arkansas. I thought Texas looked better and more organized than they have at any point in the last decade um, since Mac Brown left. I thought that Arkansas, you know, they were in a, a dog fight up until the early fourth quarter with Rice, I believe. I just yeah. no I don't think right. Arkansas can can score enough points to to keep up with Texas in this game. And I like the under in that game for the same reason. And I like oh, ECU. Here comes some more South Carolina hate. <laughs> yeah. I like them plus two versus South Carolina. Um, I I just think that. And plus two, are you, are you t- what's the money line? It's probably only plus 105 at that point. But it's- yeah, maybe, maybe plus 110. Um, I'll take the two points. You never know what's going to happen. Feels like a type of game where like a missed extra point might determine it or something yeah. stupid. Um, <laughs> oh, I love so, this. You're back. On, I, I didn't even notice you went back to Colorado. I was going to ask you if you were. Uh, if you I were did. Still, yeah, you went because we talked about this game in the preseason. Yeah, we did. And the other, the, probably the pick on the board that I like the most is Iowa plus six at Iowa State. Um, yeah, yeah. Iowa State preseason darlings. Lots of people love them. They beat Northern Iowa by six points last week. Iowa smoked Indiana, and that score was a little bit deceiving because their defense had a bunch of turnovers. They only scored three points after the half. So I don't think the Hawkeyes are some kind of offensive juggernaut, but I think they're good enough to beat Iowa State straight up. I think they will beat Iowa State outright. Yeah. They haven't lost I to just, Iowa State in I just reset. seven years. I just reset our ticker on the defensive success rate because you'll see Georgia number one, Iowa number two. So that's impressive. Yeah, I mean, and you know, our friend Ed Fang has them as one of the better defenses over the last five years. On in he does, so, yeah. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah. yeah, he has them rated really high. He likes Iowa, so um, Ed's a lot smarter than I am when it comes to this stuff. So if he likes them, you I don't know them. if he's seven and three though. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about him with the UNC game the other night. Yeah, he was. He was yeah. big on Sam Howe, but if you don't have an offensive line or many wide receivers, doesn't really matter how good a quarterback you are. 
All right, we're at fifty minutes. That's a long show, but we packed it in, man. Uh, that was that, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thanks for thanks for uh, getting all these plays rolling. Um, and we're gonna be everyone. And we're gonna be take us. a day or two off, but we're gonna be back at it. I've got the Alabama Birmingham versus Jacksonville State game cut up. We're gonna show some of those plays, and so you'll familiarize yourself with what they're doing. Um, they and they've got a really good defense. We've talked about it a bunch. So uh, Georgia's offense, I'm sure, is not going to be much healthier than it was. So um, you know, look for possibly another you know unexplosive game, inexplosive game, whatever the word is there. But um, yeah. Anyway, I'm looking forward to getting to that. Graham, thank you very much. Please follow us on on YouTube. Uh, our subscribers are inching up, and we appreciate all you guys. Uh, so, uh, getting a lot of interaction. We try to get all those comments, and uh, we appreciate you following along there. Um, and also check out our podcast. Uh, rate and review us. We're we love to keep those reviews up and try to get some more people listening to that stuff. And um, follow us on Twitter. Graham is dog out west. I am dog underscore stats. We were both writing um, for dogsports.com, and, and uh, our friend Sarah dropped a really awesome piece on on Georgia's yeah. defense today. There's always good go stuff on it. there. Yeah, go read that for sure. Um, and with that, Graham, got anything else before we get out of here? No. Uh, All right. But keep Kirby Smart's name out of your mouth. You did a good job last weekend. Stop stressing about the offense. If you're a Georgia fan, don't, don't fall into the, like, baiting of – rival fans and stuff like that who want to discount uh the best win of the college football season so far by anybody and troll you over you know the stat line of a game that was dictated by defense and was very much old school if georgia is struggling in six weeks with offense and they can't create explosive plays when some of these guys get back and healthy or they start you know Things really started looking dire. We can worry about it then, but the program just had their biggest win in four years. Enjoy it, guys. Just enjoy it. Let it be. It's going to be a long season. Just have fun. Georgia beat Clemson. Go dogs. There you go. Go dogs.